You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Well, it's nice to be with you. Uh, I think, uh, I know I'm enjoying this Hebrew series, uh, preaching from, from Hebrew, and it, it seems like there's these, there's a common theme throughout Hebrews uh, about Jesus and him, uh, and you know, being our, our uh, prophet and our savior, our... Uh, uh, Interceder and you know just our our all in all, and so this morning I would like to to speak about Jesus uh, interceding for us, and we want to see how this thing works out coming from the Old Testament, uh, and and so I would like to read from Hebrews chapter eight, uh, verses six and seven. And it reads as follows, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. Which is really interesting because uh, uh, I remember a long time ago, uh, our the company I worked for went through some, I called it junk, uh, and it was involved in lawsuits, and it was, uh, you know, just uh, uh, all kinds of junk, really. And uh, there was mediators between the parties. And what the mediator tried to do, was to, or, or tries to do, from what I understood, uh, was uh, try to find the best possible solution for everybody, right? I mean... Basically, that's what the mediator does. And so, Jesus is our high priest who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. And so, you know, the, the old covenant, it, it, uh, you know, it required a lot of stuff required a lot of stuff. And if you messed up in one thing, you messed up in everything. You, you, you couldn't, you know, uh, uh, you had to be, you know, as that guy that sings, you had to walk the line. And if you stepped out of the line, then that was it. So Hebrews chapter 8, verses 13 reads, that's the end of the chapter, chapter 8. 
When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. So the old covenant, so, right? If, if it's new, uh, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, if I'm going to tell this and, and if somebody comes and, and, and says something to me or jokes to me about it, you know, um, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> I, I was in grade school and uh, I can't remember the name of the, of the type of shoes that my parents would get me it, Hush puppies? Yeah, hush puppies. Y'all remember those, right? So, you know, I went through almost all of grade, uh, you know, the first semester of, uh, I guess it was third grade or fourth grade. And then Christmas, lo and behold, a brand new pair of hush puppies. So one day I get up, you know, some, sometime in January, and uh, I, uh, the bus came to, we lived out of the city limits. Uh, bus would come by and pick us up at six o'clock in the morning. So, you know, we had to get up at five or something like that to get ready. Uh, anyway, what did I do? I put an old shoe on my right foot, I put a brand new shoe on my left foot, and I got on the bus. I was wide awake. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> somebody in the, on the bus, Johnny Winchies, goes, hey, you got an old, somebody's got an old shoe and a new shoe. And I'm like, hoo, 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 <laughs> you. Oh, um, so I was calling my parents and uh, my neighbors and everybody, I, please just get me either an old shoe or a new shoe. When God speaks, you know, and, and when we get new stuff, that's to get rid of the old stuff, right? And so when... Uh, the writer to the Hebrews writes in Hebrews 8.13, says, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date, and it will soon disappear. So whatever that old covenant was, it is being replaced by a new one. It is being replaced by the covenant that Jesus Christ brings to us and establishes for us. And so, him being the priest, the high priest, it, it, it means that we have a new high priest, the old high priest is no longer in function, and that means that whatever the old high priest did, is not applicable anymore because a new priesthood implies a change in the law. Now, we've all heard that, right? New Pharaoh rose up in Egypt, new sheriff in town, right? What does that mean? That means 
the laws have changed. We are now living, or now we're going to be doing things a different way. So a change in the priesthood implies a change in the law. Now the high priest, and I'm sure you've already been told this at some point, the high priest interceded for the people. The priest, uh, high priest's main job was to offer sacrifices and bring offerings to God for the sin of the people. He would come and, 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 and he's the one who would, you know, you couldn't get close to God. And there was this one guy called the high priest who could come close to God and he would offer all those sacrifices. He's the one who basically prayed for you. He's the one who offered uh, to God what the people could not. And so one of the interesting things of the, of the high priest was that he had to offer sacrifices for his own sin before he could offer sacrifices for the people's sin. And so what he did was, uh, you know, the, here's a, a timetable of the history of, of the people of Israel, and, and the high priest would offer a sacrifice for the people, and it would postpone, and I use the word postpone, the, the sin of the people for a year. Then he'd offer it again at the end of the year, and another year, and another year. And it was just getting pushed out. It was never really forgiven. There was never really a forgiveness of sins. It was just pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And what happened was that the role of the high priest became a position of prestige and power. So much so that by the time of Jesus, when Jesus was around, that the office of the high priest was nothing but a political thing. I, you can't be high priest anymore. Well, uh, my son-in-law, he, he's going to be the high priest now. It, it was a, 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 within the community of the Israelites, of the Jewish people, the, the, the office of the high priest became a position of prestige and power. And so uh, Jesus becomes our new high priest. And he changes the whole game. See, he didn't have to offer a sacrifice for his sins. Because he had none. He was blameless. He was sinless. Not just before the eyes of the people, but before the eyes of God. And when I say people, I mean in the eyes of the law, of the old covenant. He was blameless. He was sinless. And so he did not have to offer sacrifice for himself. He offered himself as a sacrifice and becomes her high priest. And so 
Hebrews 7, uh, verse 11 says, If the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood? With a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron. And this is really interesting, you know. Uh, If if that was the perfect law, if that was the perfect setup, then why did God have to change priesthood? Why, you know, I mean, as humans, we we like that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? But the old covenant was broken. All uh, throughout the history of of the Jewish people, of God's people, you see that the the old covenant and the way it was worked and the the way that the high priest did it, it was broken. But back in the book of Genesis, we have this one guy called Melchizedek. Melchizedek said a blessing over Abraham when Abraham went and rescued his nephew and that whole thing. And he came to Melchizedek and Abraham got a blessing from Melchizedek. We don't know a whole lot about this guy Melchizedek. What we do know is that he was king of Salem, which a lot of the Bible scholars have said was Jerusalem. He was a priest of the God Most High. Melchizedek also received tithes from Abraham. The name Melchizedek is a compound word to... Uh, two Hebrew words, Melech, which means king, and Sedek, which means justice, Melchizedek. He is king of Salem. Salem, shalom, means peace. So he is king of justice, king of peace. That's who this guy Melchizedek is. We don't know a whole lot about him. Again, we have no record of who his dad was, who his father was. We have no record of who his mom was. We have no record of any siblings, no record of ancestors. All we know is that Melchizedek came and blessed Abraham, and Abraham gave him his tithes. The writer to the Hebrews says that there is no beginning or end to his life. He just appears out of nowhere and then disappears into the pages of the Bible. And we don't know a whole lot about it. But we know that he is a priest forever. And this is way before the priesthood of the Jewish people and the temple was established. God already had people like Melchizedek who were his priests and who offered sacrifices to him. And so 
All we know about Melchizedek is he's a priest forever. And the other thing is that he resembles Jesus. Melchizedek resembles Jesus. <clears throat> Hebrews 7, uh, 16 and 17 says, Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed this out when he prophesied, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. The law never made anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. And so we have a hope. Change in priesthood implies change in law. We have a new hope to come near God's throne. This is what Jesus, and this is what's so awesome about what Jesus does for humanity. Not only for the people of Israel or the Jewish people, but for all of humanity. What he does for me, what he does for you. That we can come near God's throne. We don't need somebody else that, that offers sacrifices for his sin and then for my sin, but we have one who, as the Bible says, you know, you are priest forever. In Hebrews 7, 21b and 22, God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. God will not break his vow. God has promised that. And Jesus becomes a priest forever. And because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant. With God. Isn't that awesome? Jesus guarantees you will get a better deal through him. No, no. He doesn't guarantee you get a better deal. He guarantees you get the best deal through him. You can search high and low, but there ain't no better deal than that. He's the real deal. It's not going to get any better than that. We now have direct access to God because we are under a better covenant. We don't need to borrow anything. We don't need to, all we need to do is say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. You are my high priest. You are my redeemer. You are my savior. 
You know, before, there was this place in the tabernacle and in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And in this room, nobody, nobody except the high priest could walk in there. Nobody else could walk in there except the high priest. He could do it only once a year. And he'd better have offered sacrifices for his sin because in the Holy of Holies, God's presence was there, was present. And he better have uh, offered sacrifices for himself, otherwise he would be struck dead immediately. How would you like to be the second in command? The junior high priest. Whoops. Uh, he's not coming out. Well, you go get him. You're a junior high priest. It, there was a curtain, big thick curtain, that closed off the place, the Holy of Holies. And when the high priest went in there, They, you know, those little shoes that babies get or used to, not anymore. Now now it's all some, you know, outrageous brand that cost a gazillion dollars. But back then, back in the day, well, not too long ago when I was a baby, uh, (laughs) they had those shoes with those little bells, right, for the babies. And, and, uh, you know, the baby kicked. You know, ah, he's awake, let's go love on him, you know. Well, the high priest had to tie that kind of stuff when he went into the Holy of Holies because if his helper, and then they'd tie a rope to him, and if if the helpers didn't hear the bells, you know, jingling, then they knew he was done. And they'd pull him out because they couldn't go in. And so now, with God's, with Jesus' sacrifice, we have direct access to God. You know, there's a, a whole bunch of uh, passages that, that, that tell us this. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you in, in the book of James. Uh, uh, Isaiah, the prophet, everyone come. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you're tired, if, uh, you know, if you've, downtrodden, uh, everybody come. To the Ephesians, Paul writes, you know, we have access in one spirit to the Father. And to them, he also writes, we can with boldness and confidence access through faith in him, we can access the Father. Hebrews 10.9 says, Confidence, we can have confidence to enter the holy place. John wrote and said, uh, you know, that Jesus, or Jesus says in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Mark tells us that when Jesus was uh, crucified, the veil of the temple tore in two. 
meaning that that holy of holies or that holy place got open and got exposed and it meant that now we have access to God through Jesus Christ. He offers you the best deal. He offers you the best deal. Nothing better than that. Now it's 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 so encouraging to know and to understand that Jesus Christ did what nobody else could do. He lived a sinless life and then had to go through all this kangaroo court and get sentenced to death. And then, oh, that glorious morning when he rises up and in that moment gives you and me who believe in him and accept him, oh, gives us eternal life with him. And we can come before the throne of grace. So, when the priesthood changes, it implies a change in the law. And in Christ, we have a new hope to come near God's throne. And so now the question is, do we, do I, do you, appreciate his service as high priest. Not too long ago, we were talking about the ultimate sacrifice some of our countrymen have made defending this country, given their lives for the country. You know what? Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And I can just see it. Everybody was bent out of shape. The people that were supposed to have received him did not. The people who were supposed to have welcomed him rejected him. And they're saying, you will pay you so that you can tell us who he is like if they didn't know. They wanted accomplices. And, every, and the crowds are chanting, crucify him, crucify him. And, and everybody's bent out of shape and out of control and everybody thinks they have control. Oh, I'll, I'll just wash my hands and let you guys do whatever you want to do. And Pilate thinks he's in control. And the high priest and the religious leaders think they're in control. And the people yelling and screaming at the top of their lungs, crucifying, they think they're in control. And you know what? The only person in control was Jesus Christ. And you know what he did? He kept quiet. 
and he went up on the cross. Probably a lot of people couldn't tell who he was. Probably those that knew him couldn't recognize him. He had taken such a beating. But he was the only one in control. And he has control of your life, of my life, of your soul, and my soul. And so the question is, do we appreciate what Jesus did for us? Do we appreciate his service as high priest? Becoming the sacrifice, offering the perfect, ultimate sacrifice. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 reads as follows. Then Jesus said, Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus' intercession brings peace and hope.